0: We'd like to welcome the following new members to Naira, Brian Dumford, Dutch Made, Sam Snyder, Chevron Group, Alana Stuttlemeyer, O'Daniel Otto, Logan Biansky, Corporate Holdings, Kelly Miller, Act Talent Services, Samantha Dinalt, Phil Wright. Juliet Sokolowski, Partner First Credit Union, and Rachel Quick, Jam Center. Today we'll be featuring Alan Howard, our membership director, and Gracie Dussault, our retention director, to introduce themselves. Alan and Gracie, welcome to the program. Thank My- you. So we'll start off with Alan. Uh, tell us about yourself and uh, what Naira means to you.
1: Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm an employee benefits consultant at Gibson. We work with um, HR teams to implement uh, their employee benefits programs. As far as what Naira means to me, you know, me and my specific role, you know, I'm really kind of the liaison between HR plan participants and back to our consulting team, the carriers, to make sure that we're driving strategies that. You know, really, kind of help them, um, help them own their plans, I guess. But what Naira means to me mostly is, you know, it's been a catalyst for personal and professional growth. You know, it's provided me with so many invaluable networking opportunities, allowing me to connect with, you know, like-minded individuals and industry experts. You know, through Naira, I have access to really cutting-edge resources, workshops, conferences, which have enhanced my knowledge and skills in the HR field. Um, as well as it's given me a strong sense of belonging and support, fostering both my confidence and passion for advancing the HR practices. So really a great, vibrant platform for continuous learning and development. And I'm just so grateful for the positive impact it's had on my career journey.
0: Thank you for that, Alan. Uh, Gracie, how about you? Tell us about yourself and, and what Naira means to you as well.
2: Yeah. So right now I'm working as an operations manager at Embassy Wealth Advisors through Ameriprise Financial. And I am basically doing a mix between people management and process management, which are two of my favorite things about HR because you are investing in people. And the <laughs> Stanley Randall has a great quote, the closest to perfection a person ever comes is when he fills out a job application form. I love that quote because it applies both to my job right now and to Naira as a whole and what I enjoy about HR because people are constantly looking to be their best, be excellent, and they join the job field. And then those of us who are already in HR, we get the chance to show them what they're good at and increase their strengths and talents and just help them feel both welcome and challenged to do their best. So I get to do that from a retention standpoint. Coming in, uh, you see me as a friendly face at the registration table at the monthly lunches, and that provides me a little touch base of relationships and just getting to meet the people in Northeast Indiana that care about people. That's our end goal for HR. That's now my end goal for operations And figuring out how to efficiently and effectively help people see their value so that they're no longer looking at themselves for perfection reasons, but they're looking at themselves as a bigger part of a whole. That is my goal in retention and in Naira. And I just love that we have people that care in Northeast Indiana about strategic planning. We care about constant change and we want to be on the cutting edge. But we also want to fellowship with the quirky other people that enjoy HR, which is a big part of Naira. I think she's talking about me, Mike. Ah. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Very good. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Gracie. Um so Alan and or Gracie. Um you, you guys kind of both already touched on this or part of it, but why should our listeners either become members of Naira, if they already are, help recruit others? Um to join the cause or most importantly, you know, stick with us and and be part of our organization.
2: Oh, that's a great question. I think when they're joining, if they meet Alan alone, they'll want to join because he embodies all of HR's joy and balance. I don't know how the people on the board and anyone that I've ever met in Naira gets everything done that they have on their plate and still has a balance in life, but it's really cool. And I think that part is what makes me see the value of Naira. You get to grow in your career by being a part of this organization and it encourages you to participate in programming and encourages you to just want to be around people that want to do their best. But then you're constantly hearing And seeing other people that you would never interact with in your daily life because HR people were all representing different companies. So it's very fun. And again, you get people like Julie Hess and Alan Howard and Ed and Morgan Lewis that, you know, you never get to see them in the rest of your life, but you get to see them at Naira. And I've learned a lot from members of our board and members of our Naira platform that just i would never hear about otherwise to provide a lot of value
1: you're absolutely on i mean it's really it's just such a supportive community i think you know i've been a part of an for i don't know call it eight years now um on the board for just eight months but it's been just so much fun to be a part of and i think just seeing everybody's personalities come out when You know, we we get to get into a, call a neutral space and see, you know, this is how Gracie interacts outside of work. This is how, you know, we're seeing friendships being created. Um, But even beyond that, I mean, I think it's just, there's such a commitment to professional excellence. And I think it's just such a gateway to a thriving HR. Um, Whether you want to make a lasting impact on your organization, advance your career, there's so many different unparalleled opportunities.
0: Well, we really... I appreciate both of your efforts. I know that you've both worked really hard uh, with the organization. Um, Are we up to over 400 members, Alan?
1: We are. We're actually approaching uh, close to about 430, I believe.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, again, not only becoming members, but retaining them. Um, Both you and Gracie have done a fantastic job, as well as your committees, uh, to drive attendance and participation uh towards the chapter and we would just really want to thank you for your efforts uh and all that you do for naira and our our sherm chapter in the state of indiana yeah i do appreciate
1: that really it's you know, yeah. a conscious effort from everybody i think you know we we wouldn't be what we are without the contributions that everybody makes so but thank you for that
2: awesome yeah. thanks mike
0: So welcome to Mike. Today I have Carly Buchanan, uh, president-elect. And uh, Carly has recently posted something uh, intriguing on LinkedIn about work-life balance. And I think it has had 2,500 plus views. So uh, Carly, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mike. You know, I love joining these podcasts.
0: So, um, Carly, can you just, for our listener's sake, go ahead and, and read your post?
3: Absolutely. So it started with an image that says when we, t- when we should take a break and then when we actually take a break, that was the image on there. But let me share you what I wrote. Um, vulnerable post alert this year was the year it finally clicked for me after 16 years professional work experience. In February, I planned out my whole year's vacation and work-life balance plan, I looked deep into my calendar and determined when I needed or wanted breaks this year, and I immediately blocked those days out and requested them as vacation. Extra credit, as things popped up this year on my schedule or calendar, I have not canceled any of my pre-planned vacation. Moral of the story, be intentional, plan your breaks, your vacations, your mental health boundaries, stick to your plan, do not let yourself burn out um, when you could have set proper boundaries and preparation that you could have established earlier in the year. And I said, pro tip, find a great company and leaders who stand behind you and your balance and your boundaries. Um, My leaders and my company actually celebrate my vacations with me and my time off. And they high five me as I leave for my days off. And I said, how cool is that? You should find that.
0: I. I so much agree with that and uh, we we have to be intentional about our work-life balance or we will burn ourselves out. I think if anything over the past three years in particular with COVID, uh, it's definitely challenged not just human resource professionals, but everyone in the workplace.
3: Well, and often I tell people that my job is dealing with people all day. So um, they're either pouring um, situations or issues or emotions um, organizational you know things that pop up in the day so the whole day you're just you know giving yourself your mental capacity to your employees your managers your owners your executives um so you can burn out i think more in human resources in such um a role where you're giving to others all day um Uh, So I think it's very important for anyone that's a member of Naira or SHRM or HR professionals to really start to think about, so how are you setting boundaries? Um, And it started with me being vulnerable and sharing my story and how I did that this year.
0: So in in closing, Carly, we're... We talked about this having 2,500, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically uh, views. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any particular feedback or posts from others that you'd like to share oh. that you thought were were, were um, encouraging or motivational?
3: Absolutely. I'll shout out one of our members of Naira, Amy, Amy Lynn Graff. You know, she says this takes such discipline and forethought, um, and it just makes a huge difference when you plan things out. And and she she high fived me for protecting my well being. Um, Some of my former colleagues did a little ha ha comment. Um, I knew you'd figure it out someday, Carly. Um, And and just a lot of different you know great advice. We all need to do this. Be intentional. Thank you for sharing. Um, So I, I think at the end of the day, it just is a post that hits home when HR professionals are putting in the hours, pouring their heart and soul into their employees, their organizations. Um, but what are we doing for ourselves? Um, and be intentional, set those boundaries and, and stick to it.
0: It's a great reminder. Thank you so much.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Anne. I'm the at large um, board member with NIRA. And today on our member spotlight, I have Amy Loy, uh, formerly Amy Heatrick, um, who's our HR manager at Fort Wayne Metals. Welcome, Amy.
5: Hello, thanks,
4: Ann. Appreciate it. So, Amy, I believe uh, if I'm not uh, wrong here, uh, I think we both actually kind of have a or started as NIRA members the same time. So, how long have you been a NIRA member?
5: Gosh, it's been a while. I think I started back in 2015, started tagging along back when I was just an intern. So, about 2015. Okay.
4: Okay. So several years. Yeah. And and on that, Amy, are you um, a SHRM member?
5: Yes, I am. I'm a SHRM member, um, and I I think I've been a SHRM member since around the same time. Um, and I do have my SHRM CP certification. I got that in 2017. Okay.
4: Okay. So, so have you been a, um, member for, um, several years?
5: Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yep. Um, been a member the whole time. I, I really enjoy being a SHRM member, being an IRA member. Um, SHRM definitely helps me out in tough situations when I need some quick answers, being able to log onto their website and pull up articles or, um, you know, get some guidance. So, yeah, I've, I've been a member for a long time. And honestly, I don't don't know if I could do my job without being a sure member.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's definitely yeah. a very helpful resource for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, tell me or tell our listeners if you could share why you chose the human resources profession or kind of what was your uh a journey in that
5: yeah um yeah so I actually started out when I was in college I started out pursuing a marketing degree um I don't that's just where when I was a senior in high school that's where I thought I was going to end up um so I started out kind of going down that path I ended up having a sales internship um One summer during college, and it was just not for me. (laughs) And it it, it was, it was at the time, it was a little bit boring. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I was always interested at that company I was at. I was interested in what the human resources group was doing. I thought it was fun that they got to, uh, they got to pick when people wore their favorite sports jerseys for the World Cup. Um, so that just kind of got me intrigued. I thought that was, that was fun. Um, But since then, you know, obviously, my my reason for this profession has evolved over time. Um, I really appreciate just the fact that it's something different every single day. You know, you walk in, you have no clue what's going to come up. And I really appreciate that different uh, variety and. Yeah, I, I like that there's some structure and I like that, you know, you can be working with people on a daily basis. But I also like that it's challenging and there's a lot of situational judgment that has to happen. So um, it, it ended up being a really good fit for me. And when I so after that first internship, I ended up getting an internship at Fort Wayne Metals in the training area. Got, a, got to learn a lot of those aspects and landed in HR after that. and. Uh, just really, really have appreciated and liked it as a career. Okay, it sounds it sounds like your
4: journey has, has certainly kind of opened those doors, you know, uh, in in I guess stepping stones or just in in uh, different areas. So that's that's seems really like that's been a great path for you. You kind of answered. Uh, I was going to ask you, what do you enjoy most about it? It sounds like you enjoy, like you mentioned, the variety is a variety of different things and challenges. Is there anything you'd like to add that that you do enjoy the most about HR?
5: Um, yeah, I would say those, those are the main things, you know, I really have enjoyed working closely with my team. You know, we go through so many tough situations on a daily basis and it's fun to just be able to look back and laugh about some of them and, um, just be there for each other. And so I think, you know, some of the relationships that I've built while working in human resources has been one of definitely one of the positives of, of that profession. But, you know, I just like, I like interacting with employees. I like making their day, um, you know, helping them through tough situations and also getting a chance to partner with managers through tough situations. So um, yeah, those are those are some of the things I really enjoy about it. Okay,
4: thanks for sharing those. So what aspects do you feel, Amy, have changed uh, the most over these past few years, especially in HR or human resources?
5: Uh, yeah, um, definitely have seen a lot of changes over the last few years, especially I think COVID really rocked our world uh, rocked a lot of people's worlds but you know definitely experiencing some of the effects of the changes in the labor market I remember when I was first starting out here at Fort Way metals we had a line of people waiting to get in uh, we had a queue ready to go of people whenever we had an opening and now you know it's not that <laughs> we definitely have a, a big amount of openings, Um, so we've had to really change the way we interact with the labor market, Um, and then I've also seen a change in people's mental health, and I think that that affects the labor market in a lot of ways and HR in a lot of ways. You have to figure out, you know, what people are going through and how can we adjust policies to help them but still uh, make it fair to everyone. That's been a huge, um, huge obstacle and something that we've had to work through quite a bit of like, you know, our policies giving flexibility to people in tough times. Um, Are they still meeting the needs of operations? We've we've really had to reexamine a lot of our policies. Um, So I think that's been a been a huge change over the last few years, just the, the crazy demands and just trying to keep up with it all. I agree,
4: and thanks for actually bringing that that topic up. I think uh, that's uh, what you stated is is just really critical right now with um, the well being of our employees and um in, in, in like you said adjusting policies or reviewing them. So that's excellent, Amy. Thanks for sharing that. What do you consider to be the most um, beneficial experience about being a NIRA member?
5: I am always a, a real big fan of the different speakers. Um, I I really appreciate being able to take time out of the crazy, hectic schedule to be able to just go to, go to the lunch and listen to a new speaker, someone who can kind of give a different perspective on something that we're going through or help motivate you just a little bit. I guess I always kind of come out of those meetings with a lot of new ideas and just kind of a, a change on a di- different perspective, which is really nice. Um, so whether that's those monthly luncheons or the conference, I really just enjoy listening to speakers. Um, it always seems like there's someone who's speaking on exactly what I'm going through. So I always really appreciate that.
4: Oh, good, great. Great. That's good to hear. What about a favorite? You, you mentioned you enjoy most of them, but do you have a favorite or one that's a memorable speaker at one of our luncheons?
5: Well, I was thinking this through, and I one that we talked about on our team quite a bit after the fact uh, was the Jeff Cortis when he spoke uh, at the last NIRA conference about crap. <laughs> And that really, uh, I, I don't know, people were there and they remember what it was, but he he talked about sharing crap with your employees and that stood for caring, respect, appreciation and praise. And I feel like that was a really good reminder um, of something that we need to continually share with our managers of, like, hey, listen, you know are you giving, are you showing care? Are you showing respect to them? Are you showing appreciation? Are you praising them? Um, So we, you know, not only did we have a good laugh, we talked about that one for a while, but it was a really good reminder um, to be able to, I guess, share some of those things with managers and kind of bring your focus back to that.
4: Yes, I agree. I was able to myself um, uh, attend that one and, and uh, I think that's a memorable acronym. And and I think it did stick yeah. out as well. Absolutely. Well, I have a few questions that are a little more lighter fun just to kind of learn a little more about you, Amy. Um, okay. As far as a song, <laughs> a song that you would want played every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would you choose and why?
5: Um. It's funny. I've actually answered this question before my husband and I have a joke where or it's not a joke. Actually, whenever we, whenever you're traveling and you just land on an airport, you're walking off the airplane and you're like ready to go for your new vacation. You're so excited to to get out and explore. We have a song, like a pump up song that you play getting off the airport. And I, I know that's kind of nerdy of us, but we each have our own song where we're like, yes, we're gonna we're on vacation, life is good. Um, so I would choose the same song for this. If I was walking into a room every time, I'm not sure how appropriate it is, but uh Bust a Move, gotta be one of my favorite songs. It just just the right beat for me. So awesome. I would go with that song.
4: <laughs> okay.
5: That's great. that
4: that is really great. Oh, um uh, I'm just kind of thinking now, it's like you get a tune when, you know, when uh, you have that, uh, what you share. And then I've like got that tune going through my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, what about superpowers? If you could choose any superpower, um, what would you choose and why?
5: Um, that's a good one. I think, again, I really love traveling and I love going new places. So, I think I would choose to do some sort of teleportation where I could just snap my fingers and be in a new country or be in a new spot. You know, maybe just snap my fingers and go to New York City for the evening and then snap my fingers and be home for work the next day. So, <laughs> I would choose that. <laughs> that would be amazing,
4: wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree with that one. Um, what are some things? Amy, that you do, of course, when you are not working and maybe outside, you've shared some travel um, interests, but w- what are some other things you might do in your free time or some hobbies?
5: Um. Yeah, I, so I, again, really like traveling. Um, my husband and I try to go to as many national parks as we can. And while we're there, we do a lot of hiking. So I would say outdoorsy stuff, kayaking, uh hiking are all, you know, really fun hobbies. But I also like playing certain sports, uh, like in rec leagues and just with friends. So I play volleyball, um, sometimes tennis and more importantly now we play pickleball. So that's been a lot of fun. Um and I, I like to do yoga as well. So just things to get me moving, uh things that can kind of help me connect with friends and have a good time. So, yeah. Excellent.
4: Excellent. So as far as the national parks, do you, do you have them uh, like your bucket list? Are you, are you near near getting halfway or are you still working? <laughs>
5: um, so I'm not halfway. Um, I think I'm at around 25 or so. Okay, Um, but have really been hitting it hard because I think around twenty of those have been in the last three years. So um, I definitely have a bucket list of things I of ones I still want to get to. So yeah, we're planning it out. We're actually going to one this weekend. We're going to go to the Smoky Mountains and hike a little bit. But yeah, anytime I can get another one checked off the list is a good time.
4: Yeah, that's that's neat. Well, Amy, as we wrap up, what are any encouraging words you might have for someone that's listening in? Um, maybe a member, but maybe they're considering to join Naira.
5: Um, yeah, I would just say it's a really great thing to look into, um, something to try out and see if, um, see if it suits your needs and see if you enjoy it. I always think it's just a really nice time to be with like-minded people who are all dealing with some of the same struggles that you have, you know, chances are if you're going through it, someone else in that room has also gone through something like that. So I would just encourage anyone who is in the HR space to check that out. Um, It can really help just like kind of refresh your mind and get some new ideas to help through some of the things that, that you might be going through. So that's my advice. I would definitely check it out.
4: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that for our listeners today. And again, Amy, I do want to thank you for um, participating in the member spotlight. It was great chatting with you today. Um, So I do thank you.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks for the Thanks for your time as
0: well. Today, we'd like to welcome Gerald Bush, our October luncheon keynote. Gerald is the owner of GBKB Consulting, Consulting with Purpose. He's an influential and highly successful human resource consultant with over 15 years of experience delivering consultative HR approaches with personal integrity, leading critical evaluations, developing leaders, creating strategies, communicating effectively across all levels of the organization, and managing innovative HR initiatives. He understands what it takes to develop leaders, reduce employee turnover, increase employee engagement, develop consultative business solutions, and recommend programs that align with the mission and vision of a corporation. Welcome to the program, Gerald.
6: Hey, Mike. Thanks for the invite. I'm excited to talk to you today.
0: So, Gerald, you'll be talking about employee engagement versus manager excellence, who holds the key at our October luncheon. For Naira, uh, can you give our listeners a taste of what to expect?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, as I explore this conversation um, to really think about what's really going on with employee engagement and really who's responsible. um, I think what we look at is what studies show us is that our frontline managers make up about 60 percent of our total manager population. And not only do they make up six percent of our manager population, but they're responsible for directly supervising or managing 80% of our staffs. So think about that number. 60% of our managers are frontline. They're managing 80% of our staff. But when we look at the dollars that are invested back in education and training for that group, Mike, I think there's, it's less than 0.05% of the company's overall dollars invested back in the training. So from that perspective, we're expecting our frontline managers to do all of this work around engagement, but we're not giving them the tools that they need. So think about it from that perspective. If we're expecting our frontline managers to communicate, to make decisions, to build relationships, uh, to be solution focused, um, to be emotionally intelligent, what are we doing as an organization to invest back in them? Um, Because right now, We're expecting a lot of them, but we're not doing the things that we need to do. So the conversation and what I want to explore when I come to Naira is really what do we do different and who's really responsible for employee engagement? Is it the frontline managers? Is it the organization? And let's flip that on its head. If the frontline managers are responsible for employee engagement, then what do we do different to equip them with the skills necessary to do their job. Um, according to a recent study in Gallup, um, it showed that 85% of our employees are not engaged. <laughs> so if 85% of our employees are not engaged, 80% of our employees are supervised by frontline managers, 6% of the entire population of managers are frontline managers. As an organization, we have to look at things differently because if we continue to do the same thing we're doing, and expecting a different result, there's a word out there for that, Mike, and I'm not sure that we really want to explore that word, but it's, it's insane for us to think that our managers are going to be able to do all they need to do when we're not investing back into them.
0: Mm, good point, Gerald. Yeah, we, we really look forward to having you in October. Um, I understand that you are the president-elect of Indy Sherm as well. Can you tell us about the chapter and what, what you have in store?
6: Yeah, I mean, so I am president-elect going into 2025, and um, Indy Sherm has a great legacy of presidents. Our current president now is Alana, and she's done a phenomenal job of leading the chapter. And I think right now, our focus is really on how do we grow our chapter? How do we reinvest in the community to make sure that we're really the organization where HR professionals come? We're really the organization where HR professionals seek knowledge. So we are really focused on how do we better partner in our community, you know, whether it's with chambers, whether it's with other HR organizations or HR associations, because what we learn over time is that we can't be everything to everybody. However, if we're partners with other organizations who serve our HR communities, then we're making the community better, right? Whether it's, Um, We are the primary source or we are pouring into other HR communities that are trying to grow their network, that are feeding our network. So I think um, as we look at um, the Indy chapter, we are super Mega, so we are the largest chapter in the state of Indiana. We really have to focus on how do we build relationships outside of our community and outside of the things that we've been doing. So we're really focused on that. Uh, We have a great board of directors, great membership and program directors, um, so I think we're working well together, Mike, and we're excited about the rest of um, 2023, and really excited about what's going on um, in 2024. And really, one of the things that we're focused on now is we have a inclusion conference coming up here in October, so that's really the focus for the local Indy chapter.
0: Thanks, Gerald. On a personal note, do you have any hobbies? Yeah,
6: I try to have hobbies, Mike, but I think uh, all of my hobbies are really centered around family. Um, I have three kids. I have a daughter who lives in Florida. <clears throat> I have a son who plays college baseball and I have a high school senior at Hamilton Southeastern. And for the foot Wayne group, um, Carol knocked us out in the um, semi-states last year. So we were not happy about that. Um, so we played Carol first round this year, um, the first game. And um, it was not a competition, so I know that's going to stir the pot for the Fort Wayne group, but I'm excited about football, and I I love the sport. Um, and with two kids that are actively involved in college sports and high school sport, most of my hobbies are really centered around them. And my wife and I travel a lot with baseball. Um, my oldest son is in Tuskegee, Alabama, playing baseball. So between Tuskegee in the spring and football in the fall, we are true old warriors and we support our kids and everything they do. And we're excited about my youngest son. Um, he is, um, again, a senior, but he'll play college football as well. And we're excited about his next step. So as we continue to go and grow, um, we know that our lives are really be centered around the kids and their sports.
0: That's great, Gerald. Um, Excellent uh opportunity to support your kids uh in checking out um their sports activities. Yeah, uh certainly uh the Fort Wayne group and Carol uh may have a little uh sour <laughs> grapes, but uh I, I understand your comments for sure. Um so Gerald, tell us about GBKB consulting.
6: Yeah, so um so like I spent about 20 years in corporate America I had an opportunity to work for a lot of great companies. You know, I spent some time in the air force worked for companies like CVS pharmacy. I worked at the Ohio state university. Um, I worked at uh, guard sports and uh foot locker and foot action. So I had an opportunity to work for a lot of diverse companies and over the last few years, um, I left corporate America in 2018 really centered around what I really wanted to do. And I wanted freedom and flexibility So I launched GBKB Consulting in 2018. And really GBKB Consulting is Gerald Bush, Karen Bush Consulting. So my wife also do consulting work. And that business really centered around how do we help organizations create the space to be successful and building sustainability for their employees. So whether it's through coaching, whether it's through training, whether it's through me coming in, serving as their HR partner for a while, my business really focused on the employees. So think about it from this perspective. Uh, one of the clients I'm currently working with, um, I started working with that client just as an individual coach for that person. I spent about 18 months coaching um, coaching her. After we spent time coaching, the conversation was how do I take this work into my team and grow my team? So that went from individual coaching to group coaching for her team. And now I'm doing work with the entire organization. So, My focus is really on how do we take pieces of a part to impact the entire organization? And we know that we can't do everything at one time, but my company really focuses on how do we create strategy, whether it's individually or organizationally, to create success. And what I've learned over the last five years is that when we're able to invest back in our talent, it impacts the company In in so many ways, you know, whether we're talking about employee engagement, whether we're talking about manager excellence, the conversations that when we invest back in our people, it shows in, in employee engagement, it shows in our bottom line, it shows in employee turnover, it shows in all the things that we measure. So my focus is really centered around how do I help organizations create sustainability and success for their employees.
0: Fantastic, Gerald. How would our listeners get in touch with you if they were interested in doing business together?
6: Yeah, so I am on social media, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm at GBKB Consulting and Gerald Bush. On Twitter, uh, I'm at GeraldBush14. On um, Instagram, I'm at GeraldBush or GBKB Consulting. So you can find me at GBKB Consulting really on all platforms. Or you can just simply email me at Gerald, G-R-A-L-D, at gbkbconsulting.com. And, you know, here's the thing for me, Mike, is I do this work because I love it. And I also do it because I want to see the lives around me change, not just for them individually, but for their communities. And my focus is really on if we're doing the work individually then there's no way that it does not impact the organization, right? Because I look at the work we do as holistic. I look at how do I take a person and make them a better human, right? How do I take an organization and make them a better community entity uh, or provide in their community? Because when we're able to serve our families better, when we're able to serve our employees better, when we're able to serve our community better, then we all win. So really the conversation is how do we get connected and lead and invest in our people? Because when we do that, the employee win, but more importantly, the organization wins.
0: Excellent, Gerald. Thank you so much for your time today.
6: No, thank you, uh, Mike. I am excited and looking forward to uh, coming to Fort Wayne and, um, Talking about this conversation because I think it's a, a really important conversation right now. Um, we have managers who are stressed. We have employees who are not engaged. We have employees that are quite quitting. We have managers um, throughout the organization who's wondering, I can't hire people. Um, I, I can't hire people, so I got to give someone else more work. So we're given more responsibility. And if we don't do something to impact this trend that's going on, we're going to continue. As we leave 2023 and go into 2024, we're going to be digging out of a hole deeper. So I'm excited to have this conversation and hopefully um, some of the takeaways um, that we'll provide will help the people in the room step back and look at employee engagement and investing in their managers differently because that's the key to our success in 2023, but also going forward.
0: So for our listeners, please uh, remember to register. For uh, Gerald's upcoming discussion on uh, Wednesday, October 4th from 11 to 1 at Cerutis. Uh Again, thanks for your time today, Gerald. Hey, thanks, Mike. On the first day of school, what did the teacher say her three favorite words were? June, July, and August. <laughs>
7: So I'd like to fill some people in on the nature of what my role is with Disrupt HR. So you know me as one of your co-hosts here on Mike. Now, I'm heading this event with Julie and Nancy Stegmeier. We're bringing this event to Fort Wayne, and it's a Disrupt HR branded event with Naira as one of the partners in this event. Welcome to another episode of Mike. I'm Mike and
0: together with Ed, we're diving into the exciting world of HR innovation with a focus on disrupt HR. If you've ever wondered how traditional HR practices are being shaken up and reimagined, this episode is for you. So buckle up and get ready to explore the realm of disruptive HR practices that are changing the game.
7: Yeah, Mike, joining us today, we have Julie Hess. Uh, she is a true disruptor of HR. She's an enthusiast of all things HR and uh, also the vice president of HR at Master Spas. So welcome, Julie. Thank you.
8: I'm a disruptor of everything, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I disrupt everything in my past.
7: <laughs> we need disruption, and disruption is coming to Fort Wayne in the form of this beautiful event. And it's really a, a pleasure to be able to partner up with Disrupt HR and putting this uh, there here locally in Fort Wayne. I think it's a much-needed topic. And it's going to be a, a, a very engaging, enthusiastic time. So... So to kick things off,
0: Julie, what is disrupt HR for our listeners?
8: <laughs> disrupt HR is a global movement that's transforming how we think about human resources. It's all about challenging the status quo, breaking down conventional norms, and fostering a culture of innovation within HR. Um, disrupt HR events, which take form, um, take the form of a fast-paced, dynamic talks. They bring together thought leaders and business enthusiasts to share groundbreaking ideas that are reshaping the HR landscape.
0: Well, that sounds interesting and exciting. Which whoever calls anything HR related exciting,
7: um, it's
0: my understanding that this was something you really wanted to make happen. Uh, the Naira organization, uh, Ed, can you comment on why you wanted to disrupt HR?
7: Absolutely, to, come to Fort Wayne. So my journey began when I realized that traditional HR practices were often falling short in addressing these evolving needs in modern workplaces. And what Disrupt Disrupt HR is doing is providing a platform for HR professionals like myself to share innovative, groundbreaking ideas and challenge the old ways of doing things and the old ways of thinking. And the energy and passion at Disrupt HR events were infectious And frankly, I was drawn to the opportunity to contribute to the transformation of HR here locally in Northeast Indiana. Well,
0: that's inspiring. So, Julie, can you give us a glimpse into what a Disrupt HR event is like?
8: Absolutely. A Disrupt HR events are unlike any of your traditional HR conferences that you've ever attended. They're fast-paced and engaging. Um, The speakers just have a few minutes to present their ideas. They're given five minutes total uh, to present their ideas, the talks are designed to be concise, impactful, and thought provoking. Attendees can expect a diverse range of topics, uh, from reimagining performance reviews to leveraging technology for better candidate experiences. It's actually a melting pot of creativity and innovation.
0: It sounds like an amazing atmosphere for sparking new ideas. Can you share some memorable talks? or themes from past to HR events that would give listeners an idea of what to expect. Absolutely.
7: So one talk that stood out to me was about culture hacking, the idea of intentionally shaping company culture through unconventional methods. And another memorable theme was the future of work. So embracing automation. Now this talks about this This talk delved into how HR can leverage automation to streamline processes while creating a, a more of a, a, a while creating a space that's more meaningful for human interactions. so essentially using data to drive decisions and more meaningful interactions.
0: So Julie, for HR professionals who might be hesitant to embrace disruption, what advice would you offer to help take them? Uh, that first step towards integrating innovative practices into their HR strategies.
8: Go big or go home. Sorry, no, that's just the way I. That's the way I roll. But that's a great question because not everybody does it that way. My advice would actually be to start small. Identify one aspect of your HR processes that could benefit from some innovation, whether it's recruitment, onboarding, performance management, uh, leadership development, experience with new approaches, measure results. And be open to learning from your failures. Uh, Remember that disruption isn't about abandoning everything you know. It's about evolving and adapting to the changing needs of the organization.
0: Thank you for that, Julie. Um, As we wrap up, Ed, what do you see as the future of Disrupt HR and its
7: impact on the HR landscape right here in Fort Wayne? Well, Mike, I think the future is truly incredibly promising, and Disrupt HR is gaining a ton of momentum worldwide, and I believe that it will truly continue to push the boundaries and challenge traditional HR norms. That is what we need, and the key for me is that we need to be focused on pushing those boundaries right here in Northeast Indiana, and it starts with this event. It starts with all of us, and what I hope to see is even more collaboration between HR professionals professionals business leaders, tech innovators, really to reshape how we manage our most valuable resource,
0: our people. So Julie, where and when is this event taking place?
8: I am happy to say that Disrupt HR Fort Wayne is going to be taking place on October 26th from 6 to 8. We're going to be at Bergstaff Place on East Washington. This is HR professionals, adult beverages, and great conversation.
0: Ed, how can those interested in attending find
7: out more and register? Well, thanks for asking, Mike. So they can visit disrupthrfw.com. So that's disrupt hrfw.com. We'd also love to have you follow us on LinkedIn for the latest updates on speakers and topics and then really disrupt disrupting innovation. Since Naira is a partnering sponsor, they've agreed for us to have our meeting information on their website. So you can also visit naira.org as well.
0: And if anyone is interested in applying to be a speaker, we would love to hear from you. You can apply to speak at the same site. So that wraps up in talking about Disrupt HR and taking a deeper dive into its uh, currents here in Fort Wayne and its game-changing impact on HR practices right here in Northeast Indiana. So thank you, Julie. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about what to do when increasing pay doesn't help your employee retention. We have with us Brittany Eisenman, founding principal of Stoke Fire bringing structural integrity to leaders and their organizations, building capacity for their mission advancement. She serves on the Employee Retention Advisory Board for HR.com, sharing best practices, insights, expertise, and advice on the research initiative, the state of employee retention in 2023, helping senior executives fully understand the importance of employee retention and and Guide Industry Change. She's also an organizational effectiveness panelist for the Work Culture Debates, featured on the third Monday of each month. She debates three expert consultants on topics that keep executives up at night and serves on the NIRA Member Retention Committee. Brittany, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thanks for hosting me. So uh, tell, tell us what you think about our our topic today, what um, increasing pay and and it doesn't seem to make a, a big difference on our employee retention. What, what can you share with our listeners?
9: Yeah, it, it used to be a lever that worked pretty well, that we could bump up pay and we would see a bump in our retention rates. But if you increase pay and your turnover remains higher than you want it to B e, there are fundamental reasons why you're not getting that retention bump that you used to if you find yourself in this situation the best question you can ask is how connected do our employees feel to our company's mission even if you're paying more than any other gig in town if the cost to their health and well-being and personal relationships they feel is too high and If your employee can't connect what they're contributing to the mission that they care about, then the money starts looking an awful lot like a curse. So I said there were some fundamental reasons. One reason is that raises aren't compelling enough is that money is just money. and It's not personal. That used to not matter. It absolutely matters now. Um, I will give, I'll give an example. So a micro example. If we narrow our focus down to, say, employee appreciation gifts, let's say last year you decided to give your employees a $25 gas card as a way of saying thank you for helping you pull your organization through a really tough quarter. Every employee gets one. It's a big expense to your company. But... It's worth it to you to say thank you. Now, the research says that within a few weeks, people forget who they get gift cards from. If those gift cards that you gave them came with handwritten notes from the employee's supervisor and the notes had specific details about the thing that the supervisor noticed that the employee did that helped pull the organization forward during that tough time, that's the part of the gift that will be remembered and kept, even treasured by some employees, long after they use up that gift card that in the moment that they use it, they don't even remember who they got it from anyway. Mm. So that's one micro example.
0: Okay. So, Brittany, what what about the company, again, that, that has increased pay? Uh, added benefits, even started offering flexible work, but still can't get their turnover to a good place. What can they do?
9: Yeah. Sometimes your employees do need more money so that their families can stay housed and medical bills paid. And sometimes your employees need more money because they're underpaid against the market. Giving them that money, adding benefits, offering flexible work, isn't necessarily a bad short-term move. It, it can delay them thinking about moving somewhere else, but there's nothing about money that more securely connects them to your company specifically because any company can give them money, benefits, even flexible work arrangements. If you're serious about long-term retention and you want a solution that lasts years and decades instead of a few months, Measure and analyze that connectedness of your employees to your mission. Again, they aren't bad moves, you know, the more benefits, flexible work. But if they aren't effective for you, there are actually concrete moves that you can make to not only find out why they aren't effective and identify what will be effective for you. And it absolutely comes down to the connectedness and the alignment of the employees to your mission. One of the – I see it as a risk in the whole HR field is that so many HR professionals, especially when they are alone in the organization, they're the entire HR function or they're in small teams, is that they tend to get really – their time gets really pulled down with a lot of minutiae. And what happens then is when you need to switch into a strategic mode or really solve a big problem, we tend to pull from the pop culture around us and what's working really well for the organizations that we know of or are connected to. So for example, if you hear a conference speaker, then they must know what they're talking about because they were paid $10,000 to speak on this stage, right? So you better listen up and they probably have the right solution, but... The huge risk in adopting a tactic or an initiative that someone said worked for them is that it's not going to work with you if it's not aligned with who your organization is. It does not matter how ingenious the idea is. It doesn't matter how well it worked for this other company that maybe even does the same thing that you do. Every move that you make has to be aligned with who you are and where you want to go.
0: So Brittany, what what do you say to like the small company or nonprofit that can't afford to be the best best paying place in town, or doesn't have the leverage to provide the best benefits? How, how can they can compete and retain their employees?
9: Yeah, so a lot of these size of companies will really lean into mission. You're making a difference in the world, and. That's, that's a good thing to lead with. But if you want the employee to absolutely stay with your company, you're going to need more than just we are doing an important thing. You need to connect what they're doing with their teammates, the people that are around them and show how every action that they do pulls the entire organization forward. That creates internal motivation that money just can't. Assuming that they're able to make a living on what you're paying them, that connection, that seeing how they are what they care about is aligned with the organization. And not just that they exist in an organization that's doing something that they care about, but that their specific work absolutely helps the organization get to mission achievement and do that thing out in the community that they that they really want to see in the world. In Stokefire, we call this undenting the world. Um, Steve Jobs at one point said, you know, his he had this vision of leaving his dent on the world and th- that we all want to leave a dent on the world. But at Stokefire, we see our work as undenting the world. And I think a lot of HR managers feel similarly If they can help their employees see how they make the world a better place, not just leaving their mark for the mark's sake, but helping solve these really sticky, tough, deep problems that we've had on the planet, that's when people want to stick with you. They want to see it to the end. They want to help you work through big problems that are maybe outside of their job description.
0: Brittany, you mentioned your organization, Stoke Fire. How can how can your organization um, come alongside or help support an organization that's looking to really address employee retention or um, you know make some significant changes to uh, keep their workforce? Yeah,
9: Stoke strength is really when an organization either has a massive problem they've been dealing with for years or decades that hasn't been able to be solved or has a massive goal that everyone is saying is impossible. Employee retention often plays into that. We find ourselves being pulled into companies where they might have had you know five or six consultants come through in the last decade trying to get at either retention or a parallel challenge. So if you're feeling really stuck, everything feels foggy or tangled, that's where we excel. We have an assessment that's pulled from a model that was created internal to Stoke Fire. And what we do is we get underneath. So many retention consultants make their living putting Band-Aids on companies and not letting companies know that's what's happening because they feel like they'd be out of business if they actually solve the deeper problem for the company. So instead of coming in and solving your retention, we find out what is every single controllable lever that you can pull that not only solves your retention long-term, but the other challenges that you keep seeing popping up beside it. And what this does is it pulls to the surface all of the good options for a path forward that you have, and you can prioritize what you'll fix in what order to what depth based on where you want the organization to be in three or seven years.
0: Brittany, uh, before I ask you for any parting thoughts, um, tell us your, your, about your program on the work culture debates that you offer every third Monday.
9: Yes, yes. So this is a monthly event. It is with four other organizational effectiveness experts that are across the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Each month, we identify a topic that applies to a lot of organizations and is something that can get really sticky or tangled. So we've talked about layoffs and culture before, during, and after mergers and acquisitions. This month, we had a debate around AI and how to leverage it without both freaking out your entire workforce and also without losing control in the way that you use it. There's a lot of legality that hasn't been ironed out, of course, with AI. So those challenges, some of them that are at the very edge of the future of the work that we're doing, some of the challenges that have been around for a long time, but How we tackle them is different now than it was even just five years ago. It's on LinkedIn. The Work Culture Debates has its own page. You can follow us and the live will pop up for you. But yes, every third Monday of the month at noon Eastern time, we go live. You can either send in questions anonymously ahead of time or you can pop in and quiz us right there. That's our favorite when people put questions to us and have us debate the answer live.
0: Sounds like a real engaging program, Brittany.
9: Yeah, I I learn a lot every month and sometimes I feel guilty that <laughs> I feel like a learner more than the expert. But yeah, it is really interesting to see everybody how everybody's different work plays into it and their experiences and stories that they can pull in.
0: So do you have any parting thoughts to share with our listeners?
9: Retention's really sticky it's different for everyone i would really encourage people to resist looking for things that have worked for other people or really you know innovative sounding ideas or expensive programs turn inward first push aside your beliefs about what you think your employees believe or want or expect and go find out objectively that's square one that will allow you to identify exactly where your administration's or leadership's beliefs, wants and expectations do, or don't align with your employees. And that data will be absolutely unique to your organization. And then you can build a program that pulls all of your workforce into alignment with who you are and where you're headed. And they will feel that down to a singular person. So not only will your program work in the short term for your retention, but it will work for years into the future because it's built on the foundation that is your core. It wasn't just a good idea that you pulled in and applied.
0: Thank you, Brittany. And if if our listeners wanted to um, reach out to Stokefire or yourself uh, to engage, how, how would they do that?
9: Uh, you can read all about us at stokefire.com. It's all one word or find me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to talk with you. My email is Brittany, B-R-I-T-N-I, at Stokefire.com.
0: Thanks for your time today, Brittany.
9: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: I'd like to thank all of our guests that we had today. That's all the time we have. See you next time on mike would